What goes into your car? As new minerals are rapidly making their way into our everyday life, we're increasingly concerned about the footprint of the materials that underpin our modern lifestyles. The fungibility of natural resources has helped some business players hide behind the complexity of global supply chains. To shed light on one of the most obscure commodities, join me as I pull back the curtain on the supply chain of cobalt. From deep underground all the way to your driveway. I'm your host, Osa Boshin, and this is High Grade. This is High Grade. To make responsible sourcing a standard and not a standalone product that comes with a higher price tag. If we're going to have a green transition, we also have to have a just transition. Consumers can push and should push. It's not about looking away, but about engaging with the local actors. This is where I get quite passionate. Too few are doing anything about it. Welcome to High Grade and this podcast series on responsible sourcing of minerals. Today we look at the role of commodity traders, the invisible hand that moves natural resources around the world. Commodity traders link sellers and buyers of cobalt, and as such, they are key to any effort to improve mineral supply chains. In particular, Trafigura is one of the largest trading companies in the world and a main global referent among commodity traders. I'm here with James Nicholson, Head of Corporate Responsibility of Trafigura. James, welcome to the Natural Resources Podcast. Also, thanks very much for having me. Great to be here. For most people, commodity trading is a bit of a mystery. James, if you could start by telling me, what is the role of traders in the mineral supply chain? Sure. And indeed, it Commodity traders are often considered mysterious, but I'm afraid commodity trading at Trafigura is is perhaps not quite as mysterious as some would suggest. Now, while we're a, a privately held business, we release a considerable amount of information related to our performance into the public domain. And in fact, our approach, you could say, is comparable to what you would expect from a publicly listed company. But in terms of our role, we connect the world's markets basically with the vital resources that those markets need. So this requires us to deploy infrastructure, skilled people, Mm. and a global network to move commodities from where they're plentiful to where they're needed, when they're needed, and and in the form that they're needed. So our goal is is to really make supply chains more efficient, reliable, and, and responsible. Just to give you a sense of size, last year, we handled over a million tons of commodities every single day, mm. um, and with revenues exceeding $230 billion, our net profit amounted to about $3.1 billion. Mm. So you connect the world's markets. But why are intermediaries needed in the commodity sector? Sure. So commodities are rarely produced and, and consumed in the same place at the, at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, production occurs in locations that are often really far away from the principal consumption centers. So commodities traders like Trafigura provide a vital support for that global model of production and consumption in a complex value chain that includes refining, processing, storage, and shipping. So that's true of our oil and petroleum products business and equally metals and minerals trading as well. Let's now turn our focus to responsible sourcing. 
End consumers are increasingly concerned with the origin of inputs in the products they buy. And this has led to new initiatives to trace where minerals and metals come from. But what does the concept responsible sourcing mean to you? We've seen a massive uptick in, in interest on the topic of responsible sourcing over, over recent years, and, and rightfully so. Mm. Um, Global Witness f- um, first exposed the trade in conflict timber. I mean, that, that was back in the 1990s. Conflict diamonds then hit the public consciousness soon after, as did the trade in conflict minerals. So tin, tantalum, tungsten, and gold from the DRC and its nine surrounding countries. Now, at the present day, Um, If we just consider our our stakeholders, uh, for want of a better phrase, we've got media and NGOs um, more interested in in metals production and processing um, than ever before. We've got consumers really super aware of negative impacts across global supply chains. Downstream receivers, so OEMs, fabricators, etc., are really plugged into these conversations, as are the big brands. are suitably risk averse, as, as you'd expect. Even the suppliers, I mean, miners of large size and, and relatively small are pushing for or indeed are being pushed towards international ESG standards, you know, a phrase we're hearing so much right now. And then lastly, and this is a really important stakeholder group, particularly for Traffic Euro, and that's financiers, insurers and, and regulators who are requiring increased levels of assurance, basically that the supply chains they support are clean and, and green. So mm-hmm. what's followed is an alphabet soup effectively of initiatives and legions of consultants who have stepped into the space demanding various standards. The baseline of standards in relation to responsible sourcing for metals and minerals is um, is OECD guidance, which essentially provides recommendations to help um, companies respect human rights and avoid contributing to conflict through their mineral purchasing decisions and, and practices. So this uptick in interest, this alphabet soup, uh, do you think we would have seen this development without the growing societal concern? That's a great question. Um, honestly, I think the the pressure has ratcheted up massively um, over recent years. Mm-hmm. And a huge part of that was indeed um, NGO and, and, and media attention. And I think, you know, there's um, a great example of that, I've, I've referenced Conflict Diamonds already, but also as we look at, say, cobalt, um, the the plight of ASM cobalt producers would never have been brought, I don't think, to the public consciousness had it not been for um, uh, the report by Amnesty International. Um, this is what um, we die for, I think it was called. And, and that was that was 2016. What was a relatively obscure material was thrust into the public domain and, of course, had consumers um, considering, for example, what went into their mobile phone or indeed um, their electric vehicle. And as you mentioned, Trafigura trades large volumes daily. Can you know how much is versus is not responsibly mined? Yeah, so given the the, the significant volumes we trade we have to take a risk-based approach and i'm sure that won't surprise your your listeners um so our, our diligence essentially has to be targeted certain commodities and indeed certain geographies require heightened levels of attention um and in these cases we we require either specialist assessments or indeed boots on the ground to really understand that local context. 
I'm wondering, would you say that there is a trade-off between responsible mining and security of supply? So there certainly shouldn't be. Um, what's really interesting right now is just just reflecting on what we're hearing from various governments, um, particularly in their race to su- su- um, secure supply of, of cobalt. So. So what that's doing is, is I, I'm hoping, is, is that's going to trigger a much needed shot in the arm effectively for responsibly sourced, um, artisanally and small scale mine produced cobalt. Um, that may seem counterintuitive, but you have to con- consider basically how this sudden rise in demand that we're all aware of can be accommodated when existing mines have long term supply agreements and very few new cobalt mines are actually coming on on stream. So just to look at the numbers for a second, um, approximately 170,000 tons of cobalt were produced worldwide in 21. 70% of that came from the DRC. And artisanal production, ASM, was a massive part of that. Um, and, And so ASM's become, if you like, a, a key swing factor. So while the development of mechanized mines is is highly capital and resource intensive, ASM production scales really very quickly. And, and this, this actually puts an unprecedented level of pressure on, on what is clearly a very vulnerable supply chain. Too many people are, are suffering the consequences and, and and really this is where this is where I get uh, quite quite passionate. Too few are doing anything about it. So right now we're seeing a big influx in in the number of active ASM cobalt miners. Um, by our estimates, there's a there's between eighty and ninety thousand people in the DRC who are permanently digging for cobalt, and that the number of diggers is is relatively elastic. So numbers can rise and fall by as much as twenty thousand people per site. Now on a macro basis, they're the the production that they they produce contributes between 15 and 23,000 tons per annum into the supply chain. It's massive. And that number is, is only going to grow as the energy transition steps up. So if we look back on past performance, if, if that's anything to go on, the production of ASM ore um, will have no problem finding a home in the form of a refiner. Now, why do I say that? Well, We've seen a massive increase in the construction of these refining units over recent years, and these refiners are not tied to any particular mine. Um, now, at the moment, we believe these refiners are not working at full capacity, so so they can contain they they can actually probably cater for about thirty six thousand tons of feed per annum. So there's plenty of room to accommodate a rise in ASM volumes. Your passion is contagious, but I want to take a step back and and ask uh, from a trading point of view, how does the actual selling and buying from ASM happen? Right, so the material is is produced by as, as many as, as two, 200,000 diggers um, uh, across two particular provinces in the DRC. Um, the, the material is typically um, put in sacks of, of around 40 kilograms per sack. It is then um, taken often on the back of bicycles to local markets. Um, these markets are massive. Um, the material is is swiftly purchased by a range of, of traders from a range of, of nationalities um, and, and aggregated um, after it has been 
um, assayed and weighed. I'm, I'm afraid that the assaying and weighing process is, is typically um, uh, inaccurately done. Um, so the digger loses out um, almost without exception. So the material is then aggregated and international buyers will come in. They will purchase sacks and sacks of material and that material will then um, end up in, in local refining units. Those, those units are not connected to any mine. So they buy that material up. They, um, they convert it from ore into cobalt in hydroxide, and then they'll transport it and, and it will um, enter the international market. And is that how it works for Trafigura as well? For Trafigura, we, we've entered into a, a marketing agreement with the government state-owned entity, um, which is called Entreprise Générale de Cobalt, or EGC. And by law, EGC is responsible for buying any and all ASM output. A year ago, EGC launched their own uh, standard on responsible sourcing, and we played a big part in the development of that with a specialist NGO called PACT. Um, the standard basically sets the the bar on what good looks like in this context, in the context of artisanal mining, um, and, and when and, and where that standard is met, we'll hopefully be in a position to, to buy the material. But the problem, the problem that we have is the market currently um, sees buyers of ASM cobalt basically flaunting the, the rule as set by the government. The market is willing to accommodate material from anywhere is not being produced under the EGC banner and instead it continues to drip out um, and that's to the detriment of, of the diggers themselves and, and, and the DRC state. So rather than undermining undermining the, the state, what we need is international actors as they consider um, this, uh, you know, meeting their demands for, for cobalt to really get behind EGC the DRC state, so as, as to transform it from what is a great concept um, into, into reality. Are the products we buy guilty of human and environmental degradation? You are listening to a high-grade podcast series on responsible sourcing, looking at the cobalt supply chain. In this episode, I'm talking to James Nicholson from Trafigura, as we explore the role of commodity traders. And we've talked a lot about ASM now, and I'd like to explore the circumstances around ASM. I've heard people describe some mines as hell on earth, with poor working conditions, unfair compensation, child labor, etc. But what would you say? What is it like to work in ASM today? So over the last 20 years, I've spent, I've spent a lot of time on ASM sites. Um, I have not mined myself. Um, but these, these sites can typically operate within or even they, they can often supply large scale mining operations. In other contexts, of course, the relationship between formal and informal is adversarial um, or ASM is frequently totally disconnected from large scale mining situated in, in remote locations or, or even actually in the case of Colwasey and the DRC within urban areas. And now the, the social and environmental impacts of, of uncontrolled, non-formalized ASM include child labor, forced or compulsory labor. It can involve excessive and, and often prolonged manual 
handling, um, exposure to noise, dust, heat stress, dehydration, etc. Rock falls and, and pit collapses are, are common. Um, their impact disastrous. Um, now, as a major participant in the, in the metals and minerals industry, um, we've been super clear about the risks and problems involved in ASM. It, it, frankly, it would be ideal if the world's growing needs for metals were, were met through production from industrial mining operations. But, but the reality is that there are perhaps 40 million people who earn a living from this sector. And, and their, okay, their work is illegal in many cases. It's not sufficiently regulated and it can be really dangerous. But as we continue to state, this is not an activity that can be ignored. It can't be wished away. Um, we need to we, we need to find a better way and we need basically to ensure that ASM provides a, a vector for development, if you like, and, and not the reverse. Mm. I'd say that there are basically two different approaches to this. Either you avoid buying from irresponsible sources or you engage to try and improve standards. And as you've talked about now, Trafigura has adopted the latter approach. But I'm interested in understanding how was this decision made? Um, so if I may, let's let's consider the, the easy approach, which would be to deny there's an issue. Um, yeah to state there's no ASM material in, in your supply chain or in its margins. You could say that anyone engaged in ASM should be told to farm and, and not to mine, um, that pumping money into um, in philanthropic projects is, is, is surely going to be enough, but it's not. So I guess <laughs> let's, stop, let's stop beating that particular drum. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, engaging with this topic is not straightforward. Um, and, and certainly in my experience, in conversation with, with miners, for example, many have personal tales of what happens when interventions in relation to ASM, not necessarily in support of ASM, are not sustained and lead to conflict. Um, but, but key to our approach is the view that um, commercial and, and developmental interests have, need to be better aligned. So responsibly sourced ASM should have a legitimate and recognized place in the supply chain. Um, I referenced earlier this the OECD guidance and its importance. And, and what it really focuses on is progressive improvement. So as buyers, it's a given, right? We have to conduct due diligence. But for Traffic Europe, where we're, we're really I guess um, we're different is that we're going further. So we're trying to support capacity building programs around the, the negative issues we identify. Um, and we've got some really cool projects worldwide um, that, uh, where, where we're doing that. Is there anyone in particular that you would like to highlight? Probably the most illustrative um, in the context of of actually addressing the challenge of ASM is where we've worked with a supplier called CHEMAF. CHEMAF has one of the largest portfolios of, of cobalt concessions in, in the DRC. Before we, we entered into a supply agreement, we conducted, as you would expect, considerable amount of due diligence. Um, and, and within the contract, we've actually ensured that um, we play a role in, and, and they are open to us supporting their responsible sourcing. Now, the challenge that they had was a particular concession that they wanted to develop um, called Matoshi, um, hosted no fewer than about 5,000 people who depended on ASM for their livelihoods. Now, 
at the time, um, this was 2017, 2018, we, we refused to accept any ASM material from that site until until controls could actually be in, introduced and, and up, upheld. And, and what followed was this, this great partnership with DRC government, the NGO pact, um, at CHEMAF and, and, and to really look at how we could help formalize um, ASM cobalt production. What was the, the outcome of that? Um, as I said, we maintained a constant presence, but we wanted to understand the outcome and, and the impact more fully. So what we saw was having recruited a socioeconomic assessment was a massive improvement in working conditions. Um, in short, the site prior to our intervention, that there were, there were multiple fatalities. Yeah. During over the course of our two-year program, um, I think we we surpassed three million um, hours worked without a lost time injury. Um, so big improvement in working conditions. We had complementary healthcare services. So you know again, really really benefit of the local people. From a local economic perspective, um, of course we saw we, we saw businesses um, spring up around around the operation and, and what we calculated was that for every 1000 miners um, on the site the local economic impact amounted to about a million dollars per year and then lastly and, and this was not this was not something that we foresaw was that female miners operating on the on the project earned about two and a half times more than their counterparts working on on mines elsewhere so the key learning from the exercise was that unless we step up and actually work with our suppliers many of them are in remote locations we're, we're basically going to be failing in a fundamental duty as, as partners, mm. but we're also exposing ourselves to risk and, and a loss of social license by any one of our suppliers has really far in reaching implications. Trafigura is a service driven company um, and offering support to our counterparts or providing detailed assurance to the market on responsible sourcing. It just makes clear commercial sense beyond the human impact. Um, you know, it's the right thing to do, but it, you know, it really is starting to differentiate our approach um, from the approach of, of others in the sector. Mm. And when you then go on to sell this product, do you inform your customers that this is responsibly sourced ASM cobalt or, or how does it work on the sales side of things? Thank you for asking that question, because I, I, spent, I spent a lot of time with the receivers um, as the project developed um, and and to ensure that they were with us effectively on on that journey, um, and um, the receivers were were large scale brands. Sure, they tested us, but what was really exciting was that they really got it. They saw the developmental impact that such a project could have um, over the course of the project. We could report back in you know in real time on how the project was going. We hosted multiple visits um, to the site and it, it changed the conversation from this sort of boycott mentality, which serves absolutely no one. In fact, it makes the situation worse. And if you consider that if the world was to say we will only buy mechanized cobalt, um, what does that do? It, it will most likely push the price up and result in an increased number of ASM diggers. So 
it's clear from that perspective that you have to engage ASM, that you can find a legitimate place for it in the market, assuming one com- communicates openly with the receivers and they're super clear on what they're getting, both the benefits and also the disadvantages. I mean, we built a, a you know, an important base of supporters. And, I, and I'm really confident that we can take that much further. And, and it almost it sort of plays into the space of fair trade products. Um, because you, although you shouldn't differentiate, you shouldn't have to differentiate ASM from mechanized if it's, if it's responsibly mined. You know, I, th- I think the consumers would really benefit from knowing that, for example, in that project alone, for example, there were 5,000 people engaged. That's a lot more than you would normally have on a mechanized project that might employ 300 to 1,000, many of whom are contractors. And there's an appetite to see us take that for, to scale. Mm. That's that's what, where I get really excited with this relationship with EGC um, in the DRC. I, I think we can do that, and we can we can deliver this concept of, if you like, development cobalt. But James, all these efforts you're talking about, and and it's been evident from what we've been hearing throughout this series that raising standards uh, across the supply chain it takes effort. Would you say that responsible sourcing is more expensive? Yeah. So. Um, I'll speak from from Traffic Era's perspective. Running a responsible sourcing team as I do, um, yes, it comes at a cost. But the activity, first, I mean, it upholds access to markets, and increasingly so. Um, it underpins our service offering, as I've mentioned. Um, it also supports access to and and can actually reduce the cost of finance. And 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 let me just explain that. So, as I said at the start. Trafigure is a, a privately held business, so our commercial activities depend on f- um, financial lines exceeding about $60 billion each year from about 140 different banks. Now, last year, we closed our first sustainability-linked loan, um, which amounted to over $3 billion. Now, the sustainability-linked loan essentially enables us to reduce the cost of borrowing, we borrow a lot of money, as I explained. And then, so indirectly, it saves us money. We're able to reinvest that um, back back into upholding these activities and on a, an international scale, um, but also domestically. Um, and, and this is where I, you know, I see, you know, significant focus in, in future. A final question, James. If responsible sourcing continues to gain prominence for society, some companies may be tempted to secure access to critical minerals by acquiring their own mines. Is vertical integration part of the solution? So for some, it appears to be to be a solution. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I guess I, I question whether it was the right path to take. Um, mm. We've, as Trafigura, we've got the expertise and, and scope really to, to underpin consistent and responsibly sourced flows of commodities and and as i said from a diverse range of locations so basically the downstream can stick to what they know we um, we manage the risk they receive product um when they need us and in the form they need it um and and i think this speaks to the value add that that commodity traders like trafigura bring to those to those customer relationships james thank you so much for joining us today also, thank you. Thank you for tuning into High Grade and this Natural Resources podcast series on responsible sourcing. 
To feed the demand from global customers, commodity traders must often source cobalt from small artisanal mines, where extremely precarious working conditions prevail. Should these rudimentary producers be shut out of responsible supply chains? No, says James Nicholson of Trafigura. Responsible local producers and ASMs have a legitimate place in the supply chain. They should be supported to increase the level of formalization and improve operating standards. Thank you to our sponsor, the German Federal Ministry for Economic Cooperation and Development through BGR. Our next episode in this series will focus on the battery producers and their role in establishing responsible supply chains. Do come back to join me. Until then, so long. So long.